Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Cast. We're excited that you're tuning in and we want to say a special thanks to those of you who subscribe, like, comment, and help us get the word out. It's a very important part of inviting people into this conversation. And I do want to remind everyone that the views expressed on The Cast are entirely those of the people expressing them and may not necessarily reflect the views of our church. With that said, please enjoy this program. Today's episode, we're pleased to welcome Allie Bueller to the cast. Uh, she's one of the leaders at Risen City Church, and we're super excited to have her join us today. Welcome, Allie. Thanks, Sam. Yes. Happy to be here. Awesome. We're happy that you are here. That was cute. That's good, guys. <laughs> what was cute about it, Mike? Oh, just the vibe was nice. The, the f- tonal inflections. Um, well, we just nailed that intro. That's yeah. just the kind of um, people you are. Yeah. It's just. I was going to yeah. say that's the kind of culture we have at Risen City Church. We just. Are yeah. warm to one another. It's a culture appreciate of one uh, another. perfection, right? Yes. What? Well, Where is it? Pursuit have to... <laughs> of perfection. Derailed. Next. Um, so we're going to answer another listener question this week, and uh, this one's from Stephen. It's a it's a bit of a lengthy thought, and it's really really good. I, I love what he said here. Um, so he writes. So on more than one occasion, I've heard it said here and on the stage that social media was made for connection, but that we've twisted it into something used for coveting. My question is, do we honestly believe the creators of social media platforms have our best interest at heart? And it's only the way we use them that is bad. Or is it possible that social media is intentionally designed to keep our attention? Is it developed specifically to feed our flesh? And are we naive to call it truly neutral? I think especially about features like notifications, endless scrolling, autoplay, targeted advertising, and other ways that tend to keep us clicking, scrolling, and watching. I would ask the same question about most media. Online news keeps you clicking. Video games increasingly dump you into the next mission or event. In a world of unlimited options, the competition is for our attention. Does the entertainment world know something about our souls that Christians are either naive or willfully ignorant about? Do we write off as neutral these platforms that are designed to catch and hold us? Is attention the new currency the world is trading? A lot of really good thoughts in there, a lot to unpack for sure. Um, as someone who does work uh, with software, designing software specifically, and studied this in school, I can tell you like categorically that yes, every experience that you take part in is intentionally designed to produce a specific result. In my industry, uh, or in my particular workplace, I design software that's used in airports that's meant to improve efficiency with getting bags to where they're supposed to go. So I have a particular objective that I want my users to achieve, and that's basically accuracy, uh, speed, efficiency, all these kinds of things. So whenever I design software, that's kind of my mandate to design it to facilitate those things. Social media platforms, on the other hand, they're designed to uh, facilitate ad revenue and the exchange of dollars. So when it comes to social media platforms, you have to consider what the um, 
what is being sold on social media. And it's mostly ad revenue, to be honest. So it does pay for the social media platforms to keep maintaining your attention. And they do it through particular uh, user experience innovations um, that kind of keep you scrolling, clicking, notified, constantly on the app so that they can display you ads. Um, I think we've all experienced that. We've all seen the targeted advertising, um, kind of how your data is basically being manipulated so that people can send you ads that they think you're going to click on and buy stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely agree that it's meant to be addictive. It's not necessarily meant to connect you to other people. It, that is sort of one of the ways it, it is addictive, I think, is that illusion of connectivity. Um, but at the end of the day, they just want your eyeballs for as long as possible. I, I think that I would hope that in the original birthing of these platforms, there was some kind of like good intention. Well, have you seen the social network? Yeah, but... Mark Zuckerberg just wanted to rate girls that were going to Harvard. Okay, well then, maybe it's never been awesome. But I think the general myth of the population is that this is a good thing. Helps, you know, see photos of my friends, which it does. And I think it does provide definitely a shallow form of connection. Um, I think that's a whole other conversation around, you know, what is connection today. And I do agree, right, that the, the business model is attention. And we have to be aware of that. Now... I would say that do they know something about our souls that we don't know? I would say no, they don't. They just know something about our psychology know, and know how to like get our get our attention, yeah. right? Through rewards and likes and insecurities and so many different parts of who we are. Like even if you, if you do like those um, old Google like um, architect guys that would like sort of expose the secrets of their apps and the colors that they use. Like there's, there's one famous guy, I can't remember his name. I've done a couple of like videos on this specific thing of how software is designed to be addictive. And so, yeah. right, if anything, they realize that we are addictive, habitual people, mm -hmm. right? And, and again, maybe Christians are naive to that, although we shouldn't be given our understanding of sin and depravity that does exist in the human heart. Uh, but I do think that as tools, tools are, are neutral in this sense, right? That if attention is the currency, well, for the mission of Jesus, that can be used, and so um, what, what they may have meant to produce ad revenue, I can use for the gospel. Mm -hmm. So, again, is the tool itself, was it created for good things? Maybe not, but I can redeem it in this sense. And so maybe it gets to the question of why am I using it and, and what's my heart, again, in social media. We've talked about this before, I think, on the cast, on that level of why we're posting certain things and how we can use certain things. Uh, but in this case, I would say that we have to be just hyper aware of the fact that um, time um, and attention, right, are things that we do not get back. And so everything that seems free is not. It's going to cost me some kind of investment if it's my time, my attention, my energy. And so that's where I think that the trick kind of is here, right? That's like, well, this is just a free app. Well, it's not free. It is costing you something. Like you are saying that my time is more valuable spent on. I know people don't like using money language and time a lot but my time is is, is 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 my time given to this thing seems to be valuable enough in return right and i think that's what they can maximize what's that value piece and so is it the feigned connection is it maybe more cynically the fact that we are nosy people and we like knowing what's going on mm -hmm. vice versa 
I don't even know that's the right saying for this, what I'm about to say, but whatever. Um, contrary to that would be the fact that we love pretending like people care about what we're doing. Yeah. Right? And so it, it feeds the cycle of you care about what's going on in my life, and I want to know what's going on in your life. And we just go around, right? Because, like, back when, like, Twitter first started and people, like, were tweeting all about, like, what they ate for lunch. Like, who cares what you ate for lunch? I don't care you had a taco, right? But now we'll post photos of it on Instagram. Mm. So, like, the the heart has still remain that this is like my assumptions that you like even that that's why to be honest i hate social media because i just don't believe people care about what i'm doing yeah right I like at the, like end of the day like i post things because i'm like it's what you do now people got it like yeah. it's engagement like even the like i have heard you know to be honest that when people through some of my engagement on social media have either come to our church or thought hey you know i never thought you know a young guy like that could you know be a pastor or whatever and so there is an advantage potentially but I hate it because I'm like, I honestly don't think people care that much. And maybe that's me being so weird and insecure and prideful and self-focused on what people think about what I'm doing. But I like, I just don't think people care to see about like my daughter doing a cute thing. Like I love it. But like, mm-hmm. why do I assume everyone else is going to do that? Like, I don't, to me that, that could just be where it's weird for me, but, um, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I feel like the driver for me at least is the fear of missing out. But if you think about it, I'm missing out on a picture of your taco that you ate for lunch. What, like, what am I really missing out on? Oh, in that case, amazing. Flavor. Okay, all right. Come your on, tacos. tacos. Go okay, on. can you? I. <laughs> but then, yeah. the, but the funny thing on that, right, is what's driving that? It's kind of my desire to make you jealous of the taco oh, that I had sure. and yeah. you didn't have, right? Or the well, concert that I went to. That well, you now were, I want tacos. Right. Yeah. And so I think there is that that exchange right of emotional sort of so we're just encouraging each other's um tendency towards covetousness at the end of the day (laughs) big word can you say that again covetousness (laughs) i mean we just talked about this last week come on it's it's there no 100 percent 100%. Hundred percent, and that's where like I know um, Steve is talking about sort of what I mentioned on 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 the in that sermon about um, about like how social media was meant for connection, but now we use it for coveting as a blanket statement for it. And so, mm-hmm. yes, Stephen, I do appreciate the fact that nuance is important, and uh, I appreciate this question for that reason. Because yes, obviously, you know, the ad revenue that people get off of our connection could make it a little less you know idealistic, but I do think what could have been used, we do make for just coveting. Like you just, like the scroll gets, like how much, like how many times do I spend just scrolling thinking, like legitimately, like why couldn't I do that today? Oh, I should have posted about my day because like he posted about that day or like wish our church could have that opportunity or wish like it just, it just sends this wishful kind of like coveting desire flaring yeah. up, right? Even if it's like I do, <laughs> I watch a lot of like, um, <laughs> this is going to sound so ridiculous, but you guys get a piece of my heart. A lot of dunking videos on Instagram, guys who can like do amazing dunks. And I'm like, man, I wish, mm. like if only I had those hops, right? And you're like, well, go work out. Even if I did, when in my, in my best shape ever in my life, I could only ever do kind of a reverse dunk. Nothing like these guys are doing. Um, slow twitch, muscles, genetics, what can I do? But that even that a simple thing of that, of just then comparing myself you know, as a 28-year-old who doesn't always work out the way that I should, whatever, to these guys who, like, their life is to dunk. It's like, it does make me feel like, oh, crap. If only I could do that, right? So even if that's something that's trivial as dunking a basketball, which, you know, even if I can't dunk, I'm still going to beat you one-on-one. 
as hard as I try. I'm just promising you that, Sam, right now. <laughs> I'm terrible at basketball, so I'm sure of that. Um, I, it, it is what it is. But um, that it just it does feed that. Like it really does feed into that. And and again, I don't want to come across as like we're hating social media because I do think there's a lot of advantages to it. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about how it's like the only place where like so many people, like even in our city, right? Everybody basically is on it. A voice can be heard, right? Yeah. In a way that we've never experienced before. So it's amazing. I think it's great. But there is a side of it that definitely is just, you know, it is sinister in the sense of we don't think about the currency of our attention, like Stephen calls it, I think, as much as we need to. Mm-hmm. Like how many times do we spend just way too much, right, on it? Doing what, really? Like you said, just alleviating some kind of weird FOMO thing in our hearts that's like, if only I could, like... But if you... Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. I think that as soon as I, so this year I decided not as like a, a New Year's resolution. I kind of decided to do this before 2019 began, but I decided to essentially eliminate social media from my life, except save one day a week and kind of go back in, check up, see whose birthday I missed, quite frankly. See that's, who's dating now that you see who's know dating. about. See who had a baby, you know, the classic stuff. Who got married? Is that season of life? It is. That's a, it's a it's a great season. Um, but as soon as I um, – it's been, I want to say, about two and a half, almost three months now. Yeah, three months because I started in December. Um, since I started doing that, I go back on and I'm like, it's so easy to get just entrapped in it again. Yeah. And I found myself scrolling this weekend and just mindlessly being like, I can't put this down. Like, why can't I put this down? Hmm. But on the other side of that, I've also experienced, for the most part, I'm going to say, like that just happened this weekend. But for the most part, I've experienced such a freedom because when you're released from the fear of missing out on other people's lives, you get to actually experience and enjoy your own life. Wow. Snaps. Um. And well, what's in front of me right now? So what mm-hmm. what can I do right now rather than, and, and just to be honest with you, like going back and literally the act of scrolling has made me feel physically nauseous. Hmm. Like as I've, just because of, I don't know, like the way I don't love screen time. Like it gives me headache when I'm on, if I'm watching Netflix for too long or if I pick up a phone and start scrolling, it, it actually has consistently every Saturday or Sunday, whatever day it is that I choose to go back on, I felt nauseous, which is very interesting mm. because I hadn't, hadn't felt like that before. Mm. Um, well, like I can't speak for Emily, but um, I'm going to. <laughs> uh, she kind of did this too. Like she was off her phone, social media. She actually doesn't go on Facebook at all yeah. um, just because – there's nothing on there. There's nothing on there, really. It, but And she said the same thing, that like when she'd go on, for just going on Instagram or something quickly, it's how quickly the same habits that were yeah. cut off just sort of reappear, right? Yeah. And um, and I, like I've, the thing for me is, is it's kind of like, yeah, maybe it is a fear thing. It's like I almost feel like if I go off it and don't post and like in some level, my life is irrelevant at that point, mm. right? And that sort of like I got to be involved. It's like, to what and to who like because right. you're right then i'm always thinking how can i post this moment or like yeah like look at me i'm cool i'm hanging in a coffee shop drinking a fancy drink and have like like yeah, what is this right? you almost feel like you need to like document every experience well it's just like if you didn't instagram your ice cream at... you're justifying yourself yeah. you're like justifying your actions like this date that 
that I went on was amazing. Yeah. And guys, actually, I went on a date. Like stuff like that <laughs> where you feel like you just feel this need to have to like prove yourself. Yeah. And not be missing out and, and show people if I have the fear of missing out, that means that I want to show people that I myself am not missing out hmm. by proving, hey, look, I actually had a date this weekend or hey, look, I have a boyfriend or I went to this awesome concert, whatever mm. it might be, right? Or I went on this awesome trip and just the culture that's kind of cultivated in that sense is so toxic and so negative. Well, the really question is how do we use it well? Because I do think like it is a cool tool to stay connected. Yeah. But how do we purely engage, right? Like in a way that's like not idealistic because obviously we're, we're imperfect, but like I think of the idea of as pastors, especially there's this pressure kind of on pastors to be on social media and to be showing our life outside Sunday mornings and to all this stuff, which I, again, admit, self-admittedly, it's suck at. I'm horrible at it. Um, but is there a way forward in that, like, at the end of the day, as I said, this is like an amazing communication tool, right? It yeah. is a part of, like, it is a part of our social life. It is a part of, it is a part of our life now, right? We can't yeah. like, kind of deny it we can do little practices i think of less engagement but it is the space where like even in my life where else do i have 500 plus people directly connected to me yeah if i say something they could get it like you know what you could do i had an idea i don't know if you like this though like for example you know well we know that you're not super connected on let's say instagram for example you don't post a lot You do stories frequently enough, right? But like, what if you posted a coffee shop that you're hanging out in for the day and said, hey, come join me. Like, that's a cool way that you could use social media to like... Mm, Invite. Invite people. Invite culture. Invite culture and invite people into the conversation maybe that you're having with the barista that day. Mm. My mind's just in coffee shops now these days, but... That's true. And that is, I think, a way of, yeah, trying to rise above it a little bit yeah yeah i like social media when it's less showing and more like exchanging like i think Mm. like it's Mm. cool that you can like ask questions on instagram stories and stuff like that's pretty fun and then like even for me like sometimes just the fact that i have facebook messenger and i can just reach all these people anytime i want to having group chats and stuff where you can share funny pictures with each other yeah like that's the good side of social media to me Mm -hmm. is where you feel like you're facilitating a conversation with yeah. people that you already know. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, and that's where 100%, I think there is a good way we can, like, in the pastor, missionally use it for Jesus and mm-hmm. creating an online version of community. Because I think, yeah. like, I don't think online community is fake community. I think churches sometimes rail against that for some reason. Like, connecting online is somehow less than. It's different. It's not the same. And I think it's part of our life. And so we have to figure out a way to... To not be sucked in, but to redeem it, like to come above it. And so I think like, yeah, the invitation or like the exchange, I like that word too of like, I want to add, like the way that I kind of think about it too, it's like I want to add value to someone's life yeah, mm-hmm. um, through this. But then at the same time, like for me, that's a lot of it's through what we do at the church. And so I also mm-hmm. don't want to be like, everything that I do is about the church. And that's what I like to have to have. It's, it's way too complex, really. It's like just... You're just trying to balance. Just trying to balance and figure it out. I love Instagram. I spend way too much time on it to be honest, although it doesn't show in my post rate because I don't post anything. Mm-hmm. Birthdays, anniversaries, yeah. which is actually interesting. I've talked about this before, and maybe this is just because, maybe this is something that we do need to do more of. But then 
purely because I think sometimes we sort of humble break this one out where we try to make much of other people on social media mm-hmm. but it's kind of like look how great I'm telling my friend that he's awesome because so, yeah. it's still a public place it's like hey guys my friend's awesome and I'm telling you about him right like yeah. look how humble I am but I think maybe there's that kind of level of like encouragement that we could use that's not over the top but like just an honest conversation around encouraging one another hey I think Sam's great, and here's why. Yeah. Uh, but is that weird? I don't know if that's weird. Like, I, think I think you see way too much of the negative side of that, though. Hmm. Like, I friends that are, whether they're in the church or not in the church, doesn't matter. You see posts, and then you see comments, and there are comments that are just like, ooh, honey, like, you look so good. Just, like, really self glorifying because mm-hmm. I'm glorifying you kinds mm-hmm. of comments. And so the hard thing with social media is that you're not hearing tone. You're not hearing sure. how things are being said. It's <laughs> so it's all up to interpretation. So as much as I want to be able to like comment on people's posts and be encouraging, sometimes I feel like I'm held back from that because I don't want to appear again. Like what am I projecting? What's my appearance? I don't want to appear a certain way. It's amazing how like uh, big and beautiful the ang- English language once was and how much we've reduced it now and like get to the point where we're expressing ourselves very imprecisely with yeah. with words on Instagram comments and, and emojis too. So I don't totally on the emojis, man. They're fire. <laughs> fire, fire, fire all day long. Um, no, but even that then maybe number one would be that we're like, we have to be aware how we get perceived, but maybe... But, I'm overthinking that way too much and just got to encourage people regardless. And number two would be maybe we do need to be better in our precision, right? Like mm-hmm. like the, the way that we hear from the past is through the written word. So it's not like you can't communicate very well through that, right? And so I think maybe we have lost some of the art of that potentially, to go to your point, Sam. But I think maybe it's just about taking the extra added step then of precision and truly trying to do all we can do to say like i'm going to communicate this to the best of my ability and not just use it as a quick you know, you know you guys know me T- typically it's like three fire emojis if it's a good thing maybe huh. maybe maybe three hands up something like that but like going deeper than that obviously for for yeah. bigger things and saying you know what i'm actually going to try my best to be to take as much ambiguity out of it you right? should because if you do that for every post i'm going to think man he doesn't really care Oh, Mike saw this post. <laughs> Great. Well, sometimes it's fire. You just gotta. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it just yeah. is fire. Like, like, yeah. How fire is it though? But like three Maybe fires. Like three one fire. fire I'm like, how many. I got you. <laughs> no, but like I think it's like one is like. Well, usually it's only one or three because two is awkward, right? Yeah. So three yeah. is like yeah. like next level. Numbers, one is like yeah. good. That's awesome. I'm I'm three like, is like recognized. you're getting a little trigger happy there. Right? You're getting a little. You're getting a little. If it's that's five, exciting. we just set Mike's day ablaze. Yeah. <laughs> if it's five, I'm not on caffeine. It's my fifth coffee of the day, and I'm yeah. just feeling everything right now. But um, but yeah, maybe like I think even as as a church culture, then right, like we probably should be leaders in how we engage in the conversation like because this is the thing about in social media like there's so many like business people on there mm-hmm. that sell like crappy things that do what i would consider kind of like embarrassing self-promotion yes. for these products but then they get like so much engagement and i'm like the church is better than like what you're selling yeah. and so maybe it's just me being 
Well, how are we selling the church? Too false humility. What? That's not even a word, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> too false humble. What? Too too. Ah, uh, you know what I'm saying. I don't have words right now. That I'm just being too falsely humble. False modesty. False modesty. Man, modest. I think social media is going to be those that conversation that, especially human beings will have to dig deeper into and realize that for a our, long time yeah well our, our hearts are messy right digging into social media yeah. no 100 percent. right i don't think we can and as long as it's around that's gonna be the conversation yeah. right and then how do we properly get off of it to be with people in real life all right so i want to talk a little bit about prophecy because i've seen some some weird stuff on my instagram feed um, just, you know, some target ad- ads sometimes. And, um, what are you Googling? I just, if you follow a lot of like worship or church accounts on Instagram, you get some targeted ads that are in that yeah. realm, you know? Um, so there was one that was about, uh, prophetic worship and like how to prophetically worship and prophesy while you're worshiping. Cause apparently that's what David did in the Bible. Maybe that's true i don't know i don't want to call out specifically uh the person that was offering this but it was a targeted ad that i got and i was kind of like just looked at it funny as like can i like you can teach me to prophesy that's a thing that that can be taught just because i desire it just because uh you know maybe i'm a worship leader and i want to add a little extra spice to my worship (laughs) to your set (laughs) to my set you know um so i don't know mike like is that a thing that can be taught uh, well, I guess it depends on what your definitions are, right? Like if, if by prophetic worship you mean spontaneous songs that come from your soul, as some mean it, mm-hmm. then sure. If by prophetic worship they mean during the worship set you can utter you know, words of knowledge from God for a community in a specific moment for a specific reason. Sounds more like, you know, a sovereign gift of grace that God gives to certain people and who Paul says not all have. So depends on your definitions, I think, a little bit. I think generally speaking, there is this wider definition that gets used, especially in the charismatic world, of um, basically that kind of like declaring things to be true or speaking these things that God's laid on your heart, right? Words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And, you know, we've talked about a lot in our church about the gifts of the Spirit in the last about year that we've been going and we just sort of have a distinct theology from that vein of understanding. Um, because there are, like, I, I will be, f- like, fair that there are different ideas around what that actually is, right? Because, like, in the Old Testament, we have, the, we have the office of the prophet who spoke on behalf of God to the people, usually foretelling the judgment and the redemption, right, of God. Um, a few fort like future telling kind kind of things about the future and what will be, but generally speaking, that those were actually words of knowledge, words of of guidance into specific um, issues that the people of God were, were going in. And then you have like the gift of prophecy, which we we've talked about a lot at our church, mm-hmm. um, the idea of you know God um, gifting certain people in His community in in, in His body to um, speak into very specific and community community wide situations um, with. Um, 
the power of the spirit, right? Through the wisdom of the spirit. And then like there is this 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 kind of I've heard it a lot in the charismatic world, right? There's the spirit of prophecy, is what they'll say, or like the general idea of prophecy where it comes out of Revelation where it says that um the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. I think it's around like nine, verse chapter 19, 10 or something like that, where the idea is if you just speak the gospel, essentially you speak the encouragement of God, you speak the truth of God over a situation, it's kind of like prophesying into that situation. Mm. So again, depending on how they use it, if we're talking about prophetic worship in the sense of we're going to declare the truths that we know of God to be true during a set of worship, well then really all worship should be that like if you're saying false things about god you probably on worship leading right yeah. now if they're talking about the spontaneous just like i feel like god wants us to sing this kind of song and declare this thing i would say that um you have to have a pretty wide or broad definition of the gifts of the spirit at that point um, which we would reject as a church um this is a very sort of risen city specific thing for us but the way that we've developed our theology of the gifts is that you know god gives some gifts to some people out of his sovereign plan for the sovereign good of the church and that's our job to respect that and humble that that when paul says desire the greater things right that's at the end of a context upon which he says um that the gifts are given for the good of the church and that we all need each other in different ways so the context is humility and the desire comes from god if you want to give me more i want more if you want to have me you know grow in other gifts and fine but he says do i'll prophesy and then he says no right. implied no but no right do i'll speak in tongues no do i'll have this and so the language of we'll all have access to it yeah technically it's true if the spirit can give you any gift that he wants to at any time but um, i think a, a more natural reading of the scriptures is that we have limitations on our gifting measures on our gifting and you cannot teach somebody a a sovereign gift of the spirit so if you want to teach somebody how to encourage people through the gospel and call it prophecy i'd say your definitions need tweaking but yeah fine go ahead do that but you can't like like you can't teach somebody to twist the arm of god to in a moment give a word for that people like i just i i and to be and, to, and i'm speaking out of experience this is the thing, like, I grew up in that. I grew up in that, and I appreciate it, and I understand it. And even in college, we had um, very charismatic groups that we would, um, some of the leaders would actually participate in this kind of, like, prophetic activation, they called it. And it always made me a little bit leery, but, like, I had no other context to think, well, well why not? The Spirit, the Spirit can do whatever He wants. Um, but growing up into that and seeing it and seeing some, some of, like, the the hurts it can cause. Now, for me, I'm never someone who says just because you witness the abuse of it doesn't mean that you have to abandon it. Abandon it. Sorry. Um, so, like, sorry, you you would say that just because. Yeah. Sorry, I probably didn't say that very clearly. So, just because I've seen abuses of that theology doesn't mean I must abandon that theology. Right. Um, and so, for me, like, I say this with a deep love for that movement because I am part of it. Like, we are in our context a charismatic church who believes in the gifts of the spirit, but. I think our, our theology kind of tries to steer away from this, I would say, over, over-realized expectation that any Christian at any time through sheer act of training can somehow activate a gift of God in them. Um, it just, to me, like in the Pentecostal world, it was everyone can have the gift of tongues. In the charismatic world, everyone can prophesy, right? And it's like we highlight certain gifts and like, think everybody and it just no i just like i don't think that's mm. ever given by paul 
who writes most of our theology on the gifts yeah. as a way of reading that into, into the way the church works. Like, we are not all mouths, we're not all eyes, we're not all ears, as he says, and we all need each other. And so I, just, I, get, I get weary of the fact that we believe that a gift of the Spirit that we have to train into existence. Now, yeah. I do want to I just want to say this quick because um, I do think that the idea behind it generally is actually very positive because usually and again this is my experience of it it's the idea of trying to get yourself to be in the disciplines of our faith in tune with God, prayer, study, fasting, waiting on him, silence, solitude, training my um, my spiritual hearing. That's not, that's not a great term, but just my spiritual sensitivity to, 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 to God in a moment, my practice of his presence, as Brother Lawrence called it in, in his book, that I think is actually hyper-valuable, and we need to train people in that. But I just don't think the overflow of that is that every Christian also now can prophesy on behalf of God and, and speak yeah. things. like, And so that's where I would come against that in that sense of, like, mm-hmm. again, definition, what, what do you actually mean? Is it connected to a gift, and is it an over-realized theology of, of, of the gifts of the Spirit? Because, hey, if, it, if you, all you mean is we're going to encourage people through the declaration of God's truth, go ahead. Right? We should be doing that every single week. Yeah. right? It, but if it's specific, I have a word from God because I was trained to hear from God, I, I do not see that um, personally in the Scripture. So, Yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, I think— I hear what you're saying for sure about people's desire being maybe positive in this respect. The cynic in me, of course, goes immediately to the negative places that this can go. So I know my parents, when they were church shopping around here uh, in the city, you know, 25, 30 years ago when they were first married, um, they went to some church one time and they there was some workshop for like, you activate your gift of prophecy and the it seemed to them the way it struck them was that it was about me about edifying me building me up mm-hmm. making me feel special that i can prophesy now and that is like that seems contrary to the intention of the spiritual gifts which is to build up the church if they're to benefit others so that to benefit the body rather than make me feel special because i have this superpower from the holy spirit yeah, well, I th- again, that would be very cynical of you, because um, I, 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 I do think that like that might be a way some people can interpret it, but I, I think the genuine heart is that, because here's, why would someone want, okay, you're right, someone might want to feel like they can prophesy because it gives them kind of power, whatever, but genuinely speaking, that, that when I've met people who, who legitimately have that gift, right, it's for the benefit of other people, it's, hey, I feel like God laid, laid it on my heart. Can we talk about it? Can we pray about it? And, it? and it really is never about self-serving. That could be a thing where you differentiate between who actually has a gift and who just has a desire for a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't want to be that cynical, right? I, I don't think we should be. I think we should be wise and recognize that, hey, our theology doesn't line up with yours, and here's X, Y, and Z um, because of that. So maybe it's not the heart behind the people that are putting that opportunity out there, but I can also see the people that would participate in that wanting to get a certain thing for themselves out of it. Like I just, I feel like you might be setting people up for vanity a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, no, I can see that. Like I remember a buddy of mine, um, a really good friend of mine when we met um, and he was very deep 
into this kind of practice, um, it, it did borderline a little bit like magic trick almost. And he admitted it. Like we meet me him have a lot of conversations about it. And, um, he's actually one, one of my friends that uh, passed on, so he can't come defend himself now. So I'll speak only good things, but, um, he, him and I, him and I talked about how one time he'd actually sit with a deck of cards and try to like prophesy the next card kind of a thing. Cause that's where they believed that they could get to. And we talked about how that like in the end was not the heart of it at all. Like, I don't like, I do not believe anyone's teaching that generally, like in the general Christian world, like, but that's where it, like it got in his brain that, that, that this could be a kind of like, I'm trying to activate this gift of just what, God, and cause what, well, cause in their mind, right in their minds, in his mind, in that moment, the people who taught him were like, well, God obviously knows what the next card is. And so why wouldn't God just tell you, you can train and hear his voice. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, God does know the next card, right? That's not the point of that gift. Right, and so that's where I do think that it can switch, yeah, right? Like where the body is being built up. Well, no, because at that point it is kind of like I'm harnessing a spiritual power, mm-hmm. um, and we do have to be careful of that because it does, like, it does lend itself to. Um, I don't want to use the word abuse because that's a very strong and loaded word. It does, it it does lend itself to maybe some mischaracterization, some misappropriations of that gifting by nature of the fact that in our context we call it a power gift, right? It is a gift that's a little more um, um, unordinary. We don't believe it's more supernatural. Obviously, every other gift is gifted by the spirit, so they're all supernatural in that sense. But it's just a little more, you know, out of the ordinary necessarily, yeah. right? And because, and let's be real. Let's just call it what it is in the church, right? You have two people, right? A gift of helps who lo- who like literally enjoys and gets power out of serving people, and the guy who I heard from the Lord today. Who you want to go out for coffee with, right? <laughs> the guy who heard from the Lord, right? Because yeah. like, because maybe he's gonna have a word for you, or yeah. Like, but I remember the, the gift of helps might also like want to buy me coffee. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. If, if you can recognize Sam, we that, should, uh, go out for coffee. <laughs> Sam has that gift. He definitely does. Yeah. He brings food all the time. It's like it's his thing. He just serves people, right? Yeah. But and even like and I don't know if because I don't, again I, Sam I know you probably didn't grow up a lot in this context, but like whenever a special speaker came, mm-hmm. didn't matter who it was, right? It just if it, it was as if every single special speaker had this gifting, and you always wanted to hear the word. Like you wanted to be the one guy that got called out in the whole room because that just meant like God was talking to you. And legitimately, God did do that to me a couple of times and um, spoke some things into my life that through those people. So like that does happen and it is legitimate. And and like you guys know that um, you know I have received words of knowledge before were words of wisdom and i've done that in a context of preaching before i was at a, an event and i just really felt the spirit lead me to call out this guy in a very encouraging way not a negative way um in the middle of of, of the preach right just because that's what i felt like i had to do i know i just said preach sermon <laughs> preach <laughs> people are influencing me guys what can i say i didn't even mean to say that that's so good uh but um and so i i do think that there's this weird expectation where we where we assume that the presence of God is more evident, closer, and more powerful in a certain vein of gifting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way that we talk about it at our church is that, um, you know, the power gifts, prophecy, healing, tongues, uh, words of knowledge, wisdom, things, things like that are given to demonstrate the reality of God's tangible presence. Like, we do believe that, but um, God is as present in the gift of mercy. And I think it's because, like, 
uh, although we we um, we intellectually recognize that mercy is a very valuable and powerful thing emotionally again no one, no one's really like praising the guy serving the poor right the guy on the stage charismatic doing this thing like we're like that's guy I want to be like that so i think there is in the heart of human beings definitely a a tend uh towards that but I, I again the i the whole idea I, I think we have to be careful of like i'm again you guys know i'm unapologetically charismatic and so i embrace all of it with the nuance i try to bring to it um and so in this regard i say that their 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 orthopraxy is off hmm. although i think maybe the heart's trying to get to the right place i just don't believe everyone has all the gifts mm-hmm. right and we've talked about that a lot yeah that can lend itself to coveting very easily speaking of coveting it's true um that's actually one of the things I didn't get to on Sunday. So we, we just did coveting the, the, this past week. And for the sake of time, I cut out the last section where I was going to talk about coveting the gifts because it does do that. Um, I think that's why Paul talks about humility so much in the context of the gift things because like, I, like and, and maybe, I'm, maybe I'm cynical about myself. I don't know. But I know that like how awesome would, would, would it be if I could walk into the room like here's the word of God, mm-hmm. you got this issue. We gonna deal with it, or you know, God wants to just like that. It just it does actually make me kind of feel good about myself, mm-hmm. which is sinful, right? Because this is about the glory of God and the good of the person. Yeah. Um, but the coveting of the gift, and that's where I think it's it's dangerous to elevate certain gifts, right? This is what has been done. That these gifts are the sign of true discipleship. That if you truly spend time with Jesus, then you will clearly prophesy or if you get the holy spirit you will definitely speak in tongues or if if you're you know um like even in in kind of less charismatic worlds the gifts of teaching um right would be highly sought after and seen as like like the pinnacle of spiritual maturity that you can explain that well that is literally a gift of the sovereign god that you have you know more than another christian might have and so like the fact that we can compare gifts and elevate gifts and again, just because we tend to elevate, you know, certain um, more exciting maybe gift things, uh, doesn't mean that there aren't places where those are actually not elevated and like mercy is elevated, mm-hmm. right? This is a, one author, John Thompson, talks about gift tension, right? Where it's like, you know, the mercy people are all out there like loving the poor and just caring about justice and weeping with those who weep judging the evangelists who just go tell people about jesus all the time the evangelists are judging them for not ever saying anything about jesus and then the teacher's saying both of you are wrong because your theology is wrong right and and they're all just all because they're all just not understanding that actually they all bring something beautiful to the body of christ and i think if we can get away from that covenant like you said ali and trying to like elevate you know this is the gift i desire and saying god actually i'm going to submit to what you want and your gifting and what you desire in my life we'll actually have a stronger church we've talked about this a lot in our church a better church um, a, a, a church that has love, word, and power fully in it all. And I just, I just, that's where, you know, when we talk about our charismatic theology, I really want to bring correction to some of these things. That is, I do think that actually the church misses out when we focus so much on one or two giftings or the ones that we just talk about the most. Rather than having a cohesive understanding and more of a yeah. symbiotic relationship. Yeah, and, and like, and the thing about it, like, this gets in this case, Sam. I will, I will allow for some cynicism. No, that's wrong. Cynicism is never great. Some skepticism, yeah, right in this regard, because when you do get into these places where we have elevated to the gift of prophecy, right, hmm. 
which really in most contexts legitimately just means words of knowledge and wisdom but we just convolute the two based on individual application or community application um it does get into essentially just horoscope right yeah. it's very usually very generic it's called the barnum effect right you say a, a, a vaguely generic positive thing about anybody and they will be able to connect it to themselves in some way right because you know everybody wants to hear that you are a flower blossoming and God has a new seed. Like, who doesn't want to hear that? Right? Like, I can I could give you prophecies right now, right? Mm. And and the issue is the difference between, you know, the gift in action and someone just wanting to have the gift isn't necessarily the heart motivation because both of them could really desire to help someone. It really is submission. Did God actually give you this word or are you just trying to sound spiritual right now? Even if it's to help people, right? Because... A right motivation is great, but if you're actually stepping outside the will of God, you're, you're not walking in his kingdom's direction, right? And so can he redeem it? I believe he can. Have I said things thinking they're from God before? I'm sure I have. And has God used it? Hopefully. <laughs> I pray that he has. But I think that's where maybe we, we, we can get a little bit um, sort of out of proper practice when we begin thinking that I can just like, say things full of enthusiasm that are kind of vague and positive and attach Jesus to them. And then I prophesy because that's literally what I've heard people do. Um, and I just think we have to be weary. And I think you're having a more nuanced theology, especially around the power gifts, things like this that are a little more extraordinary um, would be so beneficial because then you like don't make people feel less than for not having them. You don't overemphasize them, and they get to be used what they're meant to be used for, right? Speaking God's truth into a situation. Like, well, I want that. I want people to have that gifting. But I just don't think everybody has it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Ali, what has your experience been with prophecy in the past? Have you had direct experiences with that? Um, I don't know. That's where I'm at. I'm still trying to kind of discern. Like, I've received visions before. Um, accurate ones as well i can test to that on mm. alexand wow yeah so in that realm i would say that i can i can operate out of that spiritual gifting realm mm. um prophecy specifically i wouldn't necessarily i don't i don't know so i'm wondering more around kind of the boundaries that we draw around our spiritual giftings because the Bible does outlay very specific spiritual giftings and obviously we recognize those, we acknowledge those um, as true and real and good, um, but there are other gifts. There are gifts that are that are not specifically mentioned, let's say, in the Bible. And so how do you, um, how do you kind of navigate that? That's a good question. And, I, and that it would be a point of contention for people because some will say that there um, are um, like no gift the, the, the gifts that Paul lists are the most people would say no those are just like they're just summaries but there will be some who say well actually no those are just what they are I do agree that there are more than what are listed right like um, that there's about 20 or so listed directly in, in the scriptures but I think there are more like I think even if you look through the Old Testament you see God anointing people with certain creative gifts and things like that that do come out. Um, but I, I do think that like the struggle is trying to actually truly understand 
some of the more again it really when it comes down to the, the gifts of spirit and i don't know if you guys have you know discovered this or not but people's contentions and, and issues are always around the more power-based giftings yeah right like no one's really arguing what mercy means Right? No one like no one's doing it. some might argue what administration and leadership mean in the scriptures, but even that one's a little less um vigorous than like what does it mean by prophecy and what does Paul mean by words of knowledge and wisdom? Are they one gift, two gifts? What does miracles mean? Does it include demon casting out or not? Is it just words of works of power? Is like and, and by healings is because it's plural, does that mean that there's a different kind of heal like there and I think because we wanna we want so hard to truly get it down and seem rational in some ways and um, and I do agree that, you know, there might be some um, some spaces where things are less clear, but I think that is the job of our theology is we have to draw lines that are hard that where we know the boundary lies and then have a humility with the other ones, approach it with kind of gray area. I do think that we can, like, you guys have heard my theology around the, the delineation between like a word of knowledge and word of wisdom and prophecy. And usually it's around community and, and, and individual application. But that's also just my understanding of it. And I'm not going to say that I have discovered everything there is to know, obviously, about the spiritual giftings. But I do think it's helpful to draw some of that mm. stuff out. Yeah, that's where I would, that's as far as I would go as far as drawing lines with this stuff. Because I think, I think you're right. Like I think on core essentials, salvific things yeah draw the hard lines there mm -hmm. this is the spiritual gifts are an area i am willing to be wrong about i think to be honest in, in i would way? i would like to be right i in this sense that like if i think a spiritual gift means this thing or if i think the spirit operates you know in this way in this circumstance um and i turned out to be wrong on that okay i don't that's not going to turn my whole world upside down. I like, there are people mm -hmm. that operate without a theology about the gifts entirely. And do I believe they're saved? Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. I think maybe it's an incomplete picture of what their spiritual life could be. But again, like this is an area where we can systematize, we can over systematize yes. it a bit, I think. And that's where I struggle mm -hmm. because there are things that I've experienced in my own spiritual walk that I'm like, I don't know what, I don't want to categorize this, right? Like I just experienced. I don't like the labels. I don't like the, exactly. I don't like labels. I don't want to categorize God <laughs> to an extent that I'm like, because I'm trying so hard to understand it. I think there are things that I'm okay not completely understanding how he worked through me in this instance, right? But mm -hmm. what I know is that he works through me. Well, and that's where I think, again, when you say that, I actually think, what is needed might be actually more clarity Perhaps, on how yeah. God works versus like less clarity on giftings, right? Because yeah. like, um, you know, for example, like how God speaks to us, right? In the mm -hmm. scriptures, we have his example of God showing up through angels to people, right? And speaking messages, extending messengers from heaven. We we have dreams, we have visions, audible voices, heard and not heard, right? Like there's many different ways that God interrupts human activity, yeah. right? And the purpose of those things, like how did the prophets, you know, prophesy in the Old Testament? Was it uh, like we know that Isaiah saw a vision in chapter six, right? I saw the Lord and like that wasn't like um, how do you define a vision? What is a spiritual vision? We Whatever. We'll get there. But like he saw this thing that no one else was seeing, but he was given that access to so that. Paul talks about how he went to the third heaven. Like there are 
spiritual experiences that yeah maybe are are, are hard to explain but what the what, what was the point of them maybe we could mm-hmm. get to and maybe that's where we have a like a lower understanding of how god can can speak to us because i think that's where it gets down to a lot of it especially in the ones that are you know talking about what we talked about like the like the prophetic gifting it's, it's a lot of it's god speaking to his church through mm-hmm. us and i think what we often think is that somehow in a moment i get what the charismatics like to say a word from god right something that i feel like i need to say yeah um or a picture where often the people will often say and i, I and I, to be honest i believe i've received those as well um but when we talk about like we just sort of said one time that ali had this this vision um which a few of us believe was from God about uh, something that was going on in, in, in the church. Um, and I would actually, that is a prophetic vision where God was speaking to a specific situation. So you, we, we, we would not clarify that as the gift of prophecy initially, cause it wasn't like a word from, but that was a word from God via this way. And so I do think there might be actually more nuance we need, okay. um, and more clarity versus less in that regard. But again, how do you figure that? Well, but, but does it matter? that we called it that maybe not maybe what matters is you went to the right people we discerned it we prayed about it we thought about it we asked the lord for clarity on it and we trusted his leading and so like you know if you just got up on sunday morning and said i had a vision right we'd be like sit down Allie. right okay but then we saw the vision come to pass so it like but in that in that case but how would we know right because that's yeah. where i think order and clarity matter yeah. right where this isn't just some like wild west of spiritual gifts or it's yeah. like you walk into a church and I heard from the Lord. Like that's just yeah. like that's not gonna happen. Because um, I do believe God, you know, is a God of order, um, as well as power, and those things aren't in opposition. So, you know, maybe it's actually more about, and this is what I've actually thought a lot about is it's maybe about more how we work it out in community that actually is more important for us to figure out. Mm-hmm. Maybe less about identifying everything. I think it's important like to have a system to have a structure. Um, to take the scripture, what he, what Paul lays out and say, okay, well, here's some gifts that are available. Because um, he encourages them. And Peter does later in one of his letters, like, use the gifts. You, like, you need to be doing this, which mm-hmm. means you need to know them so you can actually use them. But it's more about how do we activate, that's a bad word. <laughs> but how do, oh, right? going back in to what a, we were in, talking about before. In, in a community, right? How yeah. does that actually work itself out? And how do people trust the gifts of one another? And How is it active in the community? Right? How does yeah. that, and, and that is a tougher question because, again, Having a mercy gifting, easy. Go start some outreach thing, right? Mm-hmm. Having gifts of help, here, set up some pipe and drape mm-hmm. and love it, right? Having a gift of administration, you have so many places in the church, right, yeah. to fit. But having the gift of prophecy, having the gift of word of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of intercession, like those are a little harder to figure out. I think that's maybe, maybe where people get I think they're harder confusing. to figure out, yeah. but they're also harder to own Mm -hmm. because you don't necessarily want to say especially not and it from my standpoint at least like not from ever a prideful place well i have the gift of well if someone said that i'd be like no you don't (laughs) (laughs) well you might but not here like because exactly there is a community a community aspect but i 100 percent like how do you send them be like i got this gift i just want to let you know right right so whenever i've like when i've spoken to people that say hey i i have a word from god it's always with a little bit of tentative energy right there i i'm pretty sure god said this to me and then it's affirmed Mm -hmm. usually or or received Mm -hmm. whatever um but humility i think always has a lead right exactly and so i think what's interesting um as an observation at least is most people like even kayla like when she gives 
words of knowledge. She always, shout out to Kayla. She always does it with, um, she precedes it with humility. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. And I think that's a really important aspect of it. But I think as a person myself, I have a hard time, I'd like, I'm a person that loves structure and I love organization and I love lists and all that fun stuff. But I have a hard time drawing the hard lines around spiritual giftings because I don't, I almost feel like I don't have permission to own it. And maybe that's just a me thing. Mm. And, um, and maybe that speaks to somebody else in our church as well. But it just kind of, it also speaks to the importance of, well, let's exactly what we were just talking about. Like, let's learn how your gifting acts itself out in our mm-hmm. community for the glory of God out of a place of humility. And so that's just yeah. clearly something maybe I need to work on. Well, the thing that ever, like we all do, because it's also the same thing of like, um, so the gift of teaching. Um, if Have you ever heard a, a bad sermon before? Yes. Yeah. Right? Never in our church, ever. But <laughs> um, No, but the thing is, like, someone has a gift of teaching who God has raised up to like, speak some truth into his community, right? There's the gifting, and then there's the use of it, right? And just because, like, you have a gifting, uh, Paul, uh, Paul later talks about how, the, like, you have to fan that flame and, and use it and stir it up, that, like, you might preach a bad sermon, but no one's, like, kicking you out of the church and no longer using the gift of teaching because you had a bad sermon. But yet yeah. with the gift of prophecy or, you know, some of these more, again, power gifting it's like you mess up one time then you're then you're done right yeah. and it's like how do you actually grow in that and i think yeah. that's the benefit of a kind of class model like these other churches would have because it creates a safe space for that yeah but i think it also can create false expectation uh-huh. and so i think it's trying to find that that hum- humble balance of you know what like we recognize these gifts exist in our church and we want to create a space where those can actually be flourished out and i think i do think humility is, is actually the biggest thing in this that like even for those who have recognize giftings to not operate out of the fruit of the spirit Mm. right to not operate out of humility is a misuse of that gifting right and so i think there has to be yeah preceding all of this right a true gift of humility in sense to say god like like i want what you want and and i do think that and this maybe is where attention that i have to be honest is that when you put some definitions and some lines and we bring a nuanced theology that we believe we have around who can have not who can, but who gets gifts and certain things through the sovereign choice of God. It does kind of feel like we limit what God can do in a moment. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I would also say that God, by the Spirit, who is in us, right, can do what He wants at any time, mm-hmm. right? And so can there be sporadic moments of, you know, you know, whether it's healing or faith or acts of mercy that just come from someone out of the inspiration of the Spirit of God simply because God's moving 100%, right? That doesn't mean they have that gifting. It means God uses them in a moment. So I don't mm-hmm. think we have to think, and this is, I, I do fear this, that we would limit God's ability by mm-hmm. trying to set some systems in place, um, systems of identification and whatnot. But then we, but then I just get reminded of the fact that we do believe that limitations um, in our life are an act of God's love in our life, that, that we can't be all things mm-hmm. at all times, and that I'm going to trust that God's going to sovereignly do what he wants to do in a moment. And, and whether that's I have a gift or someone else has a gift or whatever, like I have to be okay with the fact that sometimes um, I will be limited, but God is never limited. Yes. And, and, and to me, when it comes to gifts and tensions and God's moving, God's presence and God's power, we don't want to ever limit that. 
100%. But I think sometimes in our desire to not limit that, we also can create a little bit of chaos. If that makes sense? Yeah, I know what you mean. And so I think it is attention we have to have. And again, you guys know me. I'm going to err on the side of like the presence of God. I want to be here, do whatever you want. Um, because I genuinely want that to be our attitude, mm-hmm. recognizing that, you know what? Um, I, even as the pastor, right? Like I've talked to you guys a lot about the gifts I have and don't have. And just because I don't have the gift of mercy doesn't mean I go, I don't go be merciful, right? I still have to act mm-hmm. those things out. There's still general Christian pr- practices, but I just recognize mm-hmm. that those would be sacrifices more than moments of <laughs> encounter for people, right? Yeah, I... So I have a question to, um, I don't want this to come off as like confrontational or cynical as sometimes my questions do, but it's more a question about the gift of tongues, for example, because I've never spoken in tongues in my entire life. Um, I was told by my Pentecostal grandparents that like everyone can (laughs) speak in tongues and everyone does. It's, you know, it's your little language with God. And I just have a question, though, like, if you are genuinely gifted in tongues, how do you go about discovering something like that? Because everyone that I've heard who has spoken in tongues, everyone that I've talked to, grew up with a similar Pentecostal theology that everyone speaks in tongues. So it's like, okay, well, of course you spoke in tongues because you were encouraged to. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone who just discovered that they had the gift of tongues. Like, that's just anecdotal, 100%. I would be curious, like, how you go about figuring something like that out. Well, again, I think that the gift of tongue specifically is a very external thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to kind of speak in it or not. So I'll give you a good anecdote about when I didn't have this gift. (laughs) When I I was about, like, 11 years old, and um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. So there's this old guy who I was, like, down at the altar— weeping with Jesus, best moments of my life. And then he came up to me, he's like, so do you want to speak in tongues? And I'm like, of course, I'm Pentecostal. So he says, repeat after me. And then I just repeated what he said. And then I went to my mom after, I'm like, mom, I spoke in tongues tonight. And she's like, what happened? I was like, this guy told me to repeat. And she just flipped because obviously that is not how it happens. Um, uh, And so like, like there are fake moments of 100%. And there is caricatures and whatnot. And um, but I would say that a genuine, oh, Sam, you're going to make me get to a bunch of different theology. So the, in, in, in the sense of tongues and interpretation of tongues that we see in like first Corinthians, um, that would be a place where someone would speak out in this language and that there will be ever present a interpreter for it. Paul doesn't make that same. And then even, prof- uh, prophets to discern and things like that, that there's actual order that must be present for this gift to be active in church. Yeah. And so if there is no interpreter present, there will be no tongues given. And so if you're like, I have the tongues, I just want to speak it out and then hope someone does it. Like that is a risk, but that's where like recognizing, having clarity around rules and understanding actually is very beneficial, be- mm-hmm. beneficial in this way. Then there is the charismatic theology around like, like a prayer language uh, that Paul alludes to later on in Corinthians in different places. And and this is where people do have some contention that whether this even exists or not and whatnot. And at that level, um, how do you find that out? Um, well, I would say that it would be something that you ask the Spirit for, and then He gave it to you, you experienced it, and then 
you had it. Like, I, it seems so simple, but like, I know we can fake it, but like, I don't know. I've been in, I've been in spaces where like, are, are the things that people are experiencing emotional experiences? Hmm. 100%. Yeah. Um, but, um, I've also been in spaces where I have seen, witnessed, you know, been in a community where tongues have been spoken, interpretations have been given, and they have been, from at least the community's perspective, from the heart of God. Um, and so does God use that still? I do believe he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it, it is a community-based gifting, right? The yeah. gift of tongues for the community. Okay. If you want to get into the prayer language stuff, yeah. that one's a little more nuanced and, uh, again, a little more debated. Um and I think one that Paul talks about how he'd rather speak, you know, five words of our language than a thousand words in, in any kind of tongue. And so is it to be desired potentially, but is it to be seen as ultimately useful? Well, it's it, he even talks about how it edifies your soul only. It edifies you, right? So it's actually a very internally focused thing. And so in that regard, right, um, it is beneficial to the prayer, the guy who's, who's speaking the prayer. Um, but I also would argue that God would give people those gift things or that kind of thing experience to those who at some different level need it, I guess, because God's grace is that good. Um, and this, again, it might be experiential, but like I have experienced that before. In fact, I do have that, um, at times. And so I, have I doubted it? 100% I have. I'm like, I don't like, is this just me being the living out on the remnants of Pentecostal theology. Maybe. So where do you, how do you make that, how do you differentiate between acting confidently Mm -hmm. in your gifting? And oftentimes I find myself saying, is, is this my brain? Like Mm -hmm. just making this up? It's a great question. And for me, I recognize that the gift of tongues specifically that if I have been given it, I know it's not. I know it's not the community one. I've never felt compelled in a community to stand up and speak this language, or you know, even you know, speak different language. Like I've heard stories of people going like to Mexico, also speaking perfect Spanish, yeah. right? Like God does do that. I hundred percent believe that. Um, and so I don't like I. Th- at this point, it's a, it's a cross section <laughs> between experience and theology when I read in the scriptures and how I can see my life in my experience reflected in some of the language? Am I 100% right? And could I be making it up? I'm sure I could. Like, like the thing is, but for me, I also know that um, on a personal walk with Jesus, what the experience that I have had continually and over and over again um, do bring some kind of confidence into it. Uh, on a communal level, when I talk about the gifts of teaching, the gifts of um, like again, I've been given words of knowledge and, and, and things like that. I honestly approach the, that with almost fearful humility. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, I, I really rarely will say, I feel like God said this unless I actually believe that God laid it on my heart. And even the language I'll try to use intentionally of I believe God, I think God did this. Um, you know, I feel like I have this uh, word or whatever. And, and, I'll, and I'll try to make sure that I, I preface it a lot with that humility because 
you know, I do not want to, because for me, it actually, it's not even about confidence in the gifting. I, I know I have those giftings, to be honest. It's maybe too forthright, but like I, God has used me in those ways so many times. But my fear is saying things are not from God. My fear is misrepresenting him. My fear is speaking out of my own heart and putting his name on it and actually defaming him. And so I think walking in a very healthy fear of that. Um, that makes sense. Right, is where I have to get to. And, and and then recognizing, again, that my giftings are not better than anyone else's. And so, you know, in a moment, because this is where it can go, like, especially as the pastor, like, it's like, you know, if someone else comes and says, well, I feel like I have this word. I'm like, well, I didn't get that word. So, you know, like, shut up, Mike. Right? Submit to the spirit of Jesus. And so just recognizing some of those things, I think humility is the biggest one for me. And, and you know, you know, like, again, I know, Sam, you want to jump into the, the specific tongues one. I just think we have to be humble enough to say that the Spirit of God is going to move as He wants to in moments that I may not expect and be open to whatever He has, but yet always be discerning. Like Paul makes that very clear, like always be testing the spirits, always be discerning what's going on. And so... It's, it's, it's that tension between openness and discernment all the time. Like, that's one of the things that, like, I knew. Is, this is one of those things, that, like, as a kid, it was almost like, maybe it's because I just didn't have any of, like, the cultural stuff yet. But I always felt like I could always tell when someone was, like, trying to give a word in church. I was like, that's fake. I just always felt like I could. Right. And, and some would say, like, that could be a gift of the sermon or whatever, which may or may not be true. But, like, I could just always tell that, like, you're just making that stuff up. And I, was like, I remember like one time being like nine years old, sitting like the balcony of his church, leaning over to my mom going like, that's not real. And like, I don't really know what's going on. I just, I just, I just felt like that was, and I could be wrong. I could just be another, an arrogant nine-year-old kid, maybe, right? But here's the thing, is I will never say that God couldn't have moved in those ways. Right. Right. And so that's where I sit. And like, God is God. And I've seen, like, I've seen my brother, his ankle get healed. I've seen God have words of knowledge. I've seen um, God used me like in the middle of random malls get <laughs> anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, and so like, I know that God works in these ways. And so I just never want to squash what he wants to do. Um, so I'm willing to remain in tension of God. Some of these things go beyond my capacity to understand and rationalize, but I'm willing to submit to whatever you have knowing that God, I don't think is going to like knowing that God is going to honor what he has set up forth in his word. Like that is the standard for us, right? And so there are certain experiences and certain charismatic movements that I would be like, that is not of God because that doesn't make sense for what God has laid out. Mm-hmm. Right? Like God, I don't believe dehumanizes humans, for example, and makes them less than what we are. Um, I, I don't believe God, you know, um, you know, makes. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. We won't go into all those, right? But so I do think that the standard becomes scripture. So the deeper understanding you have of Jesus and the scripture, the deeper understanding you have of these things, the more openness you have to how God wants to move in a moment. So that, that's where I would go with it, right? Like mm-hmm. specifically, like, like, and that's where community is so important, right? Because these gifts are meant to be given for the sake of the community. So if I'm operating as some lone wolf Christian, you need to get yourself into a community where it can be seen, discerned, prayed for. So I think that's a big thing too. Like if you're just in your room praying for the gift of tongues, there's actually something fundamentally wrong, I think, with that approach. Yeah, and a great place to do that is in a connect group. True that, Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I know my connect group is very life-giving in that um, 
we help each other recognize our giftings. We had an entire discussion about it and just kind of called each other out on, hey, you're actually really good at that. And I think that that could be mm-hmm. a gifting that you have. Connect groups are great. They are. they are, yeah. Plug for connect groups. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, yeah, similar discussions have taken place in my connect group too. And I, I do agree that you need other people to affirm your gifts. I mean, your gifts are for the body. So mm-hmm. it, it follows that the body would be the ones to recognize where those gifts exist in you.